pray before we get into the, to the teaching today. God, we thank you for being here in this place. We thank you that you invite us to come as we are. We thank you that, um, that you are God who came to remove barriers between people and also barriers between us and you, that we could have a relationship with you, that we could know you, and that we could do that in the context of friends, that we could, we could build friendships in the church and walk together know you together. I pray today, God, that your spirit would come in power, that we would experience um, the same thing that th- this church in Acts experienced, this, um, this tangible presence of God with us and among us. So we pray for this today, God. We ask that you would be in our midst. Pray that you would just show up here, God, and that you'd be welcome here every Sunday. But um, today as we gather, we just invite you in. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome. Um, this is an exciting, exciting passage that, uh, that we got to walk through today in our series of Acts. And um, as Rick kind of started out, us out um, last Sunday, we're really building this kind of expectancy in the story as we're following this early church with their experience with the Holy Spirit. And really, um, today is kind of kind of connect um, the the experience of God's people in the Old Testament to the New Testament and the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive in. And um, I promised uh, myself um, when I started teaching here that I would never do uh, uh, alliterations, because a lot of pastors do. I just couldn't help myself today. Um, it was, it was, there was too many um, P words that really felt perfect for Pentecost. Um, and and um, so we're really going to talk about spirituality that's powerful, that's practical, that's personal, and then also that's about partnership. Um, and those words, again, I, I, part of me kind of cringes when um, pastors or teachers uh, use uh, alliteration, but I just I couldn't help myself today. So, um, so first of all, um, I want to talk a little bit about just the history of Pentecost as we look at this first section. So the first four verses, verses one through four, we're going to look at powerful spirituality and um, God's power is poured out on his people. And... Um, it's interesting, you know, when, when Rick and I were chatting about this message, um, Rick kind of was like, hey, you should kind of dig into some of, the, some of the history. And so it's interesting that the day of Pentecost itself is a Jewish festival. Um, it's called the Festival of Weeks in the Old Testament in Numbers um, 28, 26 through 31, kind of talks about this Festival of Weeks that would happen that was established. It's also called the Feast of the First Fruits. Um, and again, both of those things are really significant. So the Festival of Weeks... Um, the Jewish name of the festival was Shavuot, um, and it really was a celebration around the grain offering. So usually it would happen to coincide with the wheat harvest in uh, Israel, and that's how the festival kind of happened. So there was a grain offering, there was no work that would happen during the festival, and there was also burnt offerings that would happen. Um, and really the, um, the reason why in our, in our New Testament, it's called Pentecost, is because, and why it's called the Festival of Weeks is it's seven weeks after the Passover. So you think back in Israel's history into Exodus when um, God was bringing his people out of Egypt. Passover was really that commemoration and celebration of Israel's freedom from slavery. Um, the Festival of Weeks, or Shavuot, was this celebration and actually coincided with the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. So seven weeks after um, after Israel was brought out of, out of Egypt, um, 50 days 
hence the word Pentecost, um, was when the law was given at Mount Sinai. So it's really interesting. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of symbology in both of those events that's really significant. As I was kind of digging into some of this festival on, on Wikipedia, they had actually a really helpful quote. On Passover, the people of Israel were freed from their enslavement to Pharaoh, and on Shavuot, they were given the Torah and became a nation committed to serving God. So you, you kind of think about this, this idea of freedom and being bound up in a good way. Like they're, be, they're being freed, freed from their enslavement to Pharaoh, to Egypt. And now with um, this festival of weeks, they were celebrating at, at, at the giving of the law at Sinai. They were, became a, a nation that was committed, not just freed, but committed to serving God. Um, and obviously, it's interesting when you think back, like, it got off to a really rough start. If you remember back to Exodus, um, right there, even when Moses was still on the mountain receiving um, the law from God, Israel already had gone into idolatry. Aaron had made the golden calf, and they were worshiping there. And, and even before they even got out of the gate, they, it, was a failed, it was already a failed effort. But nonetheless, God still was patiently working with his people there, and um, as you remember in that, that re- rebellion there, thousands of people died. And that's the old covenant, really. I mean, it's a picture of the old covenant, which is God wanting to have this relationship with his people. And it gets off to this horrible start. But nonetheless, God's still patiently working because he knows there's, there's a new covenant coming. And throughout the Old Testament in the books, especially in the prophets, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and even in Joel, which um, is quoted in our passage today, God is... is promising this future covenant that's coming where God's going to relate to his people directly, where God's spirit is going to be poured out directly. And that's kind of what brings us to the day of Pentecost. So to kind of catch up with the, the New Testament part of the story, you know, Jesus has, has risen. We saw that in, in Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascended and he said, you know, you need to wait in Jerusalem. The power that's going to come, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. You need to wait. And here we find ourselves right in in this first part of this passage, they were all together in one place. We see in verse 1, they're waiting there, and all of a sudden, this strong wind, this power comes. And so, this first section here, I want to just, the thing I wanted to call out is the word power, because the Holy Spirit showing up in their lives is not, it's not a quiet thing. It's this the sound of rushing wind. Um, I'm reading today from the Message Translation. And I'll just read it again here. It says, without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. It was evident that something was happening. It wasn't just this private experience. It was a public, loud thing that the whole building was filled with the sound. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. And so... We're going to see in this passage today, and, and uh, just a sneak preview of the end of, of Acts chapter 2, which we're not covering today, but the Old Covenant, thousands died in rebellion as the law was given, as God was asking them to be committed to God. And here, as the Holy Spirit falls, thousands, we're going to see later in the end of the chapter, thousands of people become committed to God and join the church and start in this new mission, this new way of life. And so as you start to piece together the, the historical significance of this, it's, I think it's this beautiful picture, right, of this picture of freedom from slavery, which is portrayed in Jesus' death on the cross, just as Passover is, is a picture of death passing over people. And then we see this, this um, festival of weeks, Shavuot, actually sim- symbolizing the power of the Spirit coming, the fullness of life. Even as they're celebrating this wheat harvest, this grain harvest, 
It's this celebration of the abundance of life, overflow of life, as they brought from their harvest, as they, they took the first fruits of what God had done and given them, they committed it back to God. And I think there's, I mean, we could spend all day long just in that, that, that symbolism um, alone. It's, it's powerful. It's amazing. But to transition quickly, so there's power that comes when the Holy Spirit comes. But one thing I want to emphasize quickly in this passage as we, we translate or we kind of transition to the next section, which is practical spirituality, verses um, 5 through 13, um, is um, that this experience with the Holy Spirit, we often think of the Holy Spirit's power and filling as a kind of Christian spiritual superpower, right? It's like, well, I got the Holy Spirit now, and I'm going to speak in tongues, or I'm going to witness, or I'm going to prophesy, or I'm going to heal somebody, or, you know, some powerful thing is going to happen. And that's, that's certainly true. We see this throughout the book of Acts. But I, I also, there's something really practical happening here in this passage. And Rick, as we were kind of talking about this passage, kind of pointed me to that, I, that I've been really hanging on to, which I think should be comforting to us. But this, this experience of the Spirit, even in Pentecost, right? The power comes, the fire comes, the wind is blowing. I mean, it's, this is this thing, but the manifestation of what happened was very practical. And I'll, I'll read back the end of verse 4 again. It says, a lot of your language, uh, sorry, a lot of the translations use the word tongues, but really what's happening here is they're speaking a bunch of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. So these Galileans that were uneducated had not gone to to their version of college or, or school. They hadn't learned other languages. They all of a sudden started speaking fluent, all these other languages. Um, and so we're going to, I'll read, I'll just keep going right into verse 5. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout men, pilgrims from all over the world. So this group of Jewish people from all over. And when they heard the sound, they heard the sound of this, this rushing wind. They were like, what's going on? They came running over. And then they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken. They were thunderstruck. Um, I love that, that the message uses thunderstruck. I actually listen, um, was listening to that song in my car earlier this week. If you're familiar with ACDC, thunderstruck. It was, I, just, I could just picture, you know, like, and they're hearing this, like, you know, thunder. Like, um, they were thunderstruck. I just, it cracks me up. Um, but that, that, this picture, I mean, something crazy is happening, right? And this, this public experience of this power is, is being heard, right? So it is powerful, but it's really practical, right? Like, they come up, and all of a sudden, they're, like, they're hearing each person is from different language, a different region. And you can imagine, like, a place like this, if you've ever traveled to somewhere international, and there's just, you know, you travel to a city like London or New York, and there's people from all over the world, right? And you're, you're in this place, or even, like, D- D- Disneyland sometimes is, is kind of like that. You're just, you have people from all over the world, and you're, you're there, and but imagine everybody hearing from all these different languages, everyone's hearing their own mother tongue, their own native language being spoken fluently by these Galileans. You'd be like, excuse me, what? what? How is this happening? This is crazy. And that's where I want to focus in on the practical because um, at the end of the day, what happened here was just languages. God was just translating his word, his mighty works into their native language which is really a beautiful thing if you think about it. It was God saying, we have this gathering of people here, and I want to show these people my love, my mighty works. And it wasn't through, you know, there was definitely power happening, right? But at the end, the way it was manifested was just this really practical thing. It was like language 
being spoken their really language. This really beautiful personal thing that happened. And um, it was really translated here. We, I counted 16 different languages that are spoken. And they were amazed. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. They kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talking in various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and this whole list of all these people, right? And um, I think what I've been really praying about as I've been studying this passage this past, this past couple of weeks is really just God wants to work, and God's Spirit often works in a way that's very enmeshed in the midst of our everyday life. It's doing the dishes, changing a diaper, commuting to and from work, standing in line at the grocery store, all the mundane things that we do every day. We don't think of that as the ground, the soil that the Holy Spirit wants to work in. We think oftentimes, well, yeah, but to really fill the Spirit's power, I've got to go away to a mountaintop and pray, and then I have to go and I have to do something really powerful, right? Like have a word of faith for somebody or have, um, or maybe try to heal somebody. Or, or we, and we feel, I think a lot of times, if, if we're honest, I don't know if you guys feel this as much as I do, but sometimes we feel like it's like this barrier of like, well, I can't really be filled with the Holy Spirit, or I'm not one of those people, I'm not a leader, I'm not, that's weird, right? Or we, we kind of tend to view it as this, um, as this like superpower thing, like I'm not a superhero, right? I'm just a normal everyday person, I'm just doing everyday normal things. And I think what, what sometimes we can, as we, even as we study through Acts, we're going to see mighty miracles happen, right? We're going to see people flat out healed, there's a guy that falls out of a window and dies, and Paul raises them back to, back to life. I mean, crazy stuff, right? And the, the Holy Spirit, I believe, that, that can do that stuff, right? God can do anything. But I also think a lot of times when the Holy Spirit's working, it's a, it's a still small voice. It's a subtle prompting that we're hearing his voice saying, hey, go over here. Go over there. We're going to see, um, I think, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, just he has this prompting of God saying, hey, go over here. Just go to this place. He doesn't know why he's going over there. He just goes over there. And God shows up this, this kind of divine appointment for him to share the gospel, right? But sometimes, you guys, it's really practical. It's in the midst of doing all the things that we don't like to do or the things that are just kind of mundane, going through our, our life, going through our rhythms. And I think spirituality, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is about all of those things. It's about God wanting to be enmeshed involved intimately in the, in the everyday moments. And we need God's power in those everyday moments, right? We need God's guidance, his partnership in the midst of those, those really mundane things that are happening. I mean, here's all these people gathered in Jerusalem. They're, just, they're probably gathered for, for the festival. They're hanging out. They're not expecting all of a sudden their native language to be spoken. And, but God just kind of inter- interrupts in their everyday life as they're going about this, their, their festival <laughs> and starts speaking to them. And their lives are changed forever, at least like 3,000 of them who ultimately um, come to know Jesus. So it's, it's amazing. And, we're gonna, and I'll just continue reading here. It says they're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. In verses 12 and 13, their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joke they're, they're drunk on cheap wine. And um, Peter's response, I love, he goes, Peter stood up and back by the 11, spoke out with bold interest fellow Jews. Um, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get the story straight. <laughs> He's like, get your story straight. 
these people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, they could have told that to my college roommate, who drank continuously all day long, and he was totally drunk by 9 in the morning. That was not an unusual thing. But for Jewish people, um, that was unusual. That was, in their culture and context, drinking in the morning, um, having Bloody Marys and mimosas wasn't on their, their, their kosher menu. That, that wasn't, it wasn't a thing. So they're, they're there. Um, Peter's going, hey, these, these guys aren't drunk. They're not filled with wine. Because the people had no way to explain what was going on. They, had, they were like, what is going on? This is weird. But it wasn't weird. And sometimes the Holy Spirit feels like that. Um, it feels like something, it starts to feel unusual for us, but it also feels very normal, right? They were hearing God in their native language. There was nothing could be more normal or comforting for them than hearing God in their native language being spoken. But it's also weird because it's, I wasn't expecting that. And it's unexpected, but it's, it's also really practical. Um, and Rick even, Rick even shared a story that this week of God just saying, clear out the stuff in, in, these, in the front seat of your car because you're going to give someone a ride. And he was telling me about it uh, um, earlier this week and was like, really? Or, that, that, that seems kind of strange, but okay. And he did it, and sure enough, he gave a guy a ride and had, had this moment to kind of share how God loved this, this guy and was providing for this very practical need. This guy was late running somewhere. And that's the way the Spirit works, right? It's unusual, it's unexpected, but it's also normal. And I think really, as we get further in this message, we're going to see, I think God wants partnership. God wants this personal, practical, powerful experience to be normal for us. He wants us to ask him and invite him in and partner with him every day. The next section, as we kind of transition to this, I've already read some of it, but um, personal spirituality we're going to see here. Um, and I'm going to read from this, this section from the book of Joel, Joel 2, 28 through 32. Peter's going to quote this passage from Joel, this prophecy. And we're going to see that this experience with the Holy Spirit is personal. It's something that God wants to engage each one of us with. It's not something that just professional clergy, which we don't really have any professional clergy here, thankfully, because I believe that God has empowered all of us to have this experience with the Holy Spirit. And also God knows where each of us is at. Um, but let's read from Joel here. Let's read this, this section and see what it has to, uh, to say to us. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. The message translates it every kind of people. NIV and other translations have all people. The idea here is that this is broad. Every kind of people group, every person that God, that wants to have a relationship with God can have access to the Holy Spirit, which I love. I love that, that this, this section, this quotation, really opens the door for us to go, God wants this for everyone. This should be normal. It should be normative Christian experience for every Christian to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit in, involved in their everyday life. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I will pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, 
God will be saved. So this beautiful passage, this beautiful invitation, God's inviting every single person into this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I love the way that, it's, that he's painting this picture. There's going to be prophecy. There's going to be visions and dreams. And again, that's, that's the, those are the kind of things that weird us out, right? Like, oh, I'm going to have a vision from God. We're going to have dreams. or Those are the things that we kind of are also nervous about because they're kind of, what do we do with them? But I believe God is going to, as he pours out his spirit into us, these things we should expect that God's going to speak to us. And again, that should never be over scripture, right? We should never take a dream that we have and go, why this crazy dream? I think it's from God. And maybe it, it violates scripture somehow, but we're just, we're, we're running with it. Obviously, there's boundaries to that, and we can talk about that, but I, I also believe God does speak through prophecy. And oftentimes, prophecy is not the weird kind of like, doomsday is coming kind of prophecy, right? It's, it's actually more normal. It's more like, hey, God, put a word on my heart for you in the situation that you're going through. I've, I've experienced that personally. Where people have come to me and said, hey, Jonathan, I just, I've just had this sense that this verse is, on, is on, on my mind, and they read it to me, and it's like, oh, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like, I just, God was speaking to, to my situation. And dreams and visions, I think those things, God does those things. He speaks to us through, 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 through those things. But it's also that personal experience that we have is meant to be shared in the context of a church family, that we can actually come around each other, support each other, find ways to, to validate that for each other, and walk with each other through those things, right? Those weren't always meant to be just private things that we had this experience with God, but they're also meant to be shared. This communal experience of building each other up. Um, so really, as, as we kind of, um, as we look at this section, personal spirituality, there's, there's really this phrase that has been in my heart and my mind since I started studying this passage. And it, it was actually, originally I, was, I thought I was teaching the entire Acts chapter 2. And um, in Acts 2.30, uh, let's see, verses 38 and 39, I'm going to read this, this, this section. I'm going to kind of borrow from Rick's teaching next week. Um, Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. And really the phrase that's been in my heart and my mind for our church has been this phrase that came in mind kind of based out of that passage, which this is for you those four words, this is for you. And really I felt, and I still have this, this sense in which God is inviting each person in this room, each person that is involved in our church and wants to come to us today and say, this is for you. This experience of God's Holy Spirit, this experience of experiencing the fullness of the life of God in you and with you is for you. It's for each person in this room. And I think what I love about verses 38 and 39, it, it says, targeted to you and your children, but also to those who are far away. And I don't know where you're at with God uh, this morning. I know that that relationship, if you're like me, it's up and down. There's, there's moments where things are great. There's moments where things are difficult or you feel distant. 
But I believe God is saying to our church, to us today, this is for you. This experience of the Holy Spirit, of just being filled with God's power, is for you. And again, I want to I free us up from thinking this list of spiritual gifts is, is a finite list, right? If you add up all the lists in Scripture throughout Ephesians, throughout Galatians, throughout 1 Corinthians, and, and elsewhere, I believe there's, there are all these lists that just point to these are some of the things that, that God's Spirit does, right? But they're not, it's not exhaustive. If you look in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the first time we, we actually experienced the word, the idea of being filled with the Spirit, it was for artistic design. So being a, a designer at designing curtains and, and the tapestries in the, in the temple, that's and the tabernacle, that, that was originally the first mention in the scriptures of being filled with the Spirit. And, and the New Testament mentions a lot of spiritual gifts, ministry, faith, healing, all those things. But I don't believe those lists are, are exhaustive. And then when you look at Galatians 5, the list in Galatians 5 is interesting because it's really focused on intangible things. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness, kindness, all those things, right? Those things are, are not that specific, they're very, um, they're very intangible, but they're important, right? Because God wants to fill us with his love. He wants to communicate his love to us and through us. And so as we think about this, the other word that, that is used in um, Acts 2, 38 and 39 is receive. He says receive the gift of the Spirit. I believe that is, that's the call that God is giving to us today, is receive from the Spirit. Receive the person of the Holy Spirit, because God the Holy Spirit is a person. Just like Jesus, the Son of God, is a person. Just like God the Father is a person. There are three persons, one God. And God's asking us to receive the person of the Holy Spirit, to invite him into our lives, and to allow him to work and allow him to speak to us. And some of that is just honestly just creating space and time to just listen to God, to hear his voice, to hear what he's speaking to us. Lastly, I want to end... um, with a little bit of a story, something personal, but also kind of this idea of partnership with God. So I found myself this week in a situation where God is asking me to trust him. Um, for some of you that don't know, you know, the past, a couple weeks ago I got let go from my job, been kind of searching for other work, and it's just been this, you know, having four kids at home and a wife, it's just like the anxiety and the stress and the like, how am I going to, how's this going to work, God? And, you know, it's just been, it's been a stressful couple weeks. And God, I felt God calling me to trust him. And then he also kind of like, I felt like was speaking to me about something really specific, a specific job I was applying for that I was hopeful about, and asked me to trust him. And um, so the thing I trusted him for, I found out like on Thursday, it didn't work out. This job that I was hoping to get, didn't get. And so I was, I found myself just, okay, like, God, what, what are you doing in the midst of this? Um, and I, I felt him still telling me this idea. Maybe I, I, you know, maybe I haven't seen the full picture. Maybe that job is something I'm going to get in the future. I don't know. Because I felt God bring this specific like, promise. I don't really fully understand all of it. But I do know God was asking me to, to, to trust him originally. And God is, was asking me to still trust him in the face of things not panning out. And it was just this disappointing moment, right? This failure moment. And we actually, Colsey actually celebrated it. She's like, oh, we're, we're going to celebrate tonight. And we, so we did ice cream and, 
And, and, and she's done that before, and some, sometimes in, our, in my life when we've, a job hasn't worked out and it was something that we were excited about. And this idea of celebrating failure, like a good kind of failure, not failure because of some dastardly sin or something, but failure because stuff just doesn't work out. And we need to celebrate God's closed doors as much as we do his open doors because he's still working. But um, now, you know, on the other side of this promise that kind of was dashed, I still felt God is inviting us into something new. And I, I actually had the sense as I was studying Acts, God was actually saying, like, and I, um, like him saying, Jonathan, I want to partner with you. I want to partner with you in this, in this new venture of maybe starting your own, your own design business back up and doing something totally new, right? And it's like in the context of that, I was really like, God's literally saying, like, I want to be your business partner. I want to, I want a partnership with you. I want to be with you. And I want to walk through this with you. You're not alone. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow. Like, God really wants, and, he, and he's shown that. He's opening doors, and things are kind of moving. And it's like, oh, wow, God really does want partnership. And I believe that this whole story in Pentecost, all the stuff we've talked about, the Holy Spirit, the power, um, the practicality of the Spirit in everyday life, as well as, um, as the personal side of hearing and listening to the Spirit and experiencing God's Spirit, I believe that what God is after with all of us is partnership. He's looking for, and, and you can trace this throughout the, 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 the history of the Bible from the book of Genesis through Revelation. You can see God seeking out partnership. He's seeking out men and women that are willing, that are ready, that are going to invite God in, that, that can have a partnership with God. And I believe that's what he's after. Um, to build trust, to, to be a partner is to build trust, right? You have to trust your partner, just like you have to trust your spouse. There's trust that's built there, and then there's stepping out into that trust and living in, in that trust. And I believe that that's what God is, that, that picture that God started to paint for me, um, I believe is really prophetic for our church, that God wants to partner. God wants to partner with each of us. God wants to partner with us as a community, as a church community, and in our communities, as we, as we have home groups um, and community groups, I believe God wants to partner with us. And that's a whole lot different than, than you know, going it alone and then asking God for help. Hey, God, I'm in this situation. Help me out. It's actually going, no, God's with me here. I'm with him. And we're going to do this together. And we're going to lean on each other. God's going to ask some things of uh, me. He's going to ask me to do certain things. He's asking me to work. He's going to ask me to to go talk to someone. He's going to ask me to clear out the front seat of my car, or he's going to ask me to go do something maybe I'm, I'm uncomfortable with, but he's asking me to, to, to do something. I'm going to ask him for things. I'm going to ask him for direction. I'm going to ask him for provision, but we're, we're partnering together. And I believe Moses, if you look back to Moses in Exodus 33, God was ready to just say, okay, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to, I'm going to wipe these people out. I'm going to start a new nation under you. And even then after that, God's still like, well, okay, you guys go, go into Sinai or whatever. I'm, I'm not going with you. And Moses goes, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and God looked at Moses and said, okay, I, I, I believe you, Moses. I trust you. I'm going to partner with you. So that's really where, where I want to end today. It's just that idea of partnership. And there's one question I want to close with is, how much can the things we are striving for in our lives be explained by our own power? Can the things that you're doing in your life right now be explained by your own power? 
or are they indicative of God's partnership and his power in your life? And so I believe the simple call that we have today, we're going to have a time to respond. So Peter and the group is going to come up. Um, they're going to lead us in worship and communion. And I want this language of partnership for you to find a way to just internalize this. What, is this. what does this look like in your life? What does it look like? Where are the areas where God's asking you to partner? What are the areas in your life that you haven't really invited him into? And maybe you're just doing on, on your own strength and you're, you're exhausted and you're wiped out. That's honestly, I believe, why a lot of our stress, a lot of the stress that I'm experiencing in my own life and I see in, in other people's lives that are friends is we get stressed out and burned out because we're doing things in our own strength. We're trying in our own strength. And it doesn't mean that there's, those things aren't going to be a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But when we're partnering with God, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And I believe that God is in, inviting us today into this, this partnership and to view our lives not we're just going along in our life and God is kind of intersecting at certain points, but God is with us. God wants to be with us and partner with us. And I believe it's going to pave the way for a whole new way of living and relating to God that we get to experience his power. We get to experience his presence in our everyday lives, that we get to experience that practical outpouring of blessing in other people's lives. And we experience that personally because we are partnering with God. So I'm going to pray and um, the group's going to come up and we're going to lead worship. But I really want you to think about this, this idea language. And, and I really want you to ask, you get, get specific, take some time with God and ask him, what, God, what do you ask? What are you wanting to partner? Where am I not partnering? How can I partner with you? And ask God those, those questions. And, and I believe God will speak to each one of us and show us those areas of our lives where God wants, wants to partner, where his presence wants to show up in the midst of, of what we're doing. God, I thank you for your patience with me, your patience with us. I thank you for taking the feeble things in our lives, the things that don't make any sense or the things that feel broken, things that we don't understand. God, the things that feel like they're too much for us. God, for anyone in this room right now that feels like life is too much or the burden that's on their plate is too much, I pray that you would show up, God. I pray that you would just, your presence would be here today with them. I ask that you would come in power, Jesus, that you would touch those people, that you would touch their hearts, that you would bring comfort. As you've promised your Holy Spirit, you even called your Holy Spirit the comforter. I ask today that you would bring comfort and encouragement and building up. And I pray that this vision of partnership would be, would be birthed in each of us, God, that we would really have a sense that you are with us as we go to our jobs, as we go to do the things you've called us to do, the ministries that you've called us to, God, the relationships that you've put us in, I pray that we would view those things as a partnership with you. I pray that maybe where those images, God, need to be changed, where we view you in a transactional way, like we just get blessings from you or we do things for you, I pray that we would start to shift and see that we are living a life in partnership with you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in power today where it needs to come. And I pray that people would just experience your life, your blessing, your spirit, God, in fullness. So we just invite you in today, God, and ask as we just spend time worshiping you, as we spend time at your table, that you would be here. In Jesus' name.